When we discover the legend to our map, we have less drama, we have less stress, less pain, less health problems, less burnout, less frustrating and dead-end careers. That clarity, that intention would have a ripple effect that would leave no aspect of our lives, personal or professional, untouched. And that is the world that I am working towards creating. Hi there, I'm Tasha Gideon, the host of What's the Meaning of This? It's a podcast about symbols and signals that we send in order to create meaning for ourselves and for the people we're trying to communicate with. I'm a marketing and branding and messaging expert. I work with companies, nonprofit organizations, individuals, tech startups, all kinds of things, helping them get more aligned with what they're trying to do and how they're describing it to get the results that they want. In this episode, we're gonna be talking about the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. Since we were tiny babies, we've been trying to figure out who we are and our relationship to the world. And we've done that in a number of different ways. Over time, we kind of collect this grab bag of adjectives and names and descriptors. That's how we explain ourselves to others. It's also how we explain ourselves to ourselves. It's how we frame what's possible for us, what's impossible, what's out of character, and what we're hoping for. We're going to take a microphone and just sort of wander around a party and see what we hear. So what do you do? I'm an influencer with 3 million followers. I'm an influencer. Nobody knows what that is yet. I'm an introvert. I'm a morning person. I'm very type A. My power animal is a swan. Power bottom. I'm on the cusp of Taurus. I just got my six sigma green belt. I'm a wizard. I'm chaotic neutral. I'm a number three on the Enneagram. I'm a high functioning sociopath, but a low functioning alcoholic. From taking BuzzFeed quizzes to talking with our analysts about what it's like to come to terms with being a middle child. We try and understand ourselves by asking other people, what are we? What do we do? How do I describe myself? One of the most important ways we define ourselves is through our work. One of my favorite people to talk about this kind of thing with is Emily Melius. She's a good friend and she is at her soul, um, someone who wants to improve the quality of life for everyone on the planet. I know it sounds like a lofty goal, but after you're done listening to my conversation with her, you'll understand what that means. Hello. Hey, how are you? Hey, Tasha, I am doing great on a snowy day. Emily is an amazing talent optimizer. And what that means is she helps people understand how their brain works and how they fit in to their workplace. That helps them understand how they can fit better into their own personal lives. She's something of an HR person, but that's really not all that she is. I wanted to find out if we're doing all these assessments If we're figuring out all of these different ways to describe ourselves, why isn't it working? What are we doing wrong? 
you're trying to figure yourself out and you go down these different roads and avenues and take different assessments and feel like you're still hitting a wall. The world really focuses on, and I would say over-focuses on skills and personality. The problem is that the smartest person is certainly not the most successful or fulfilled. And the nicest, most motivated person is certainly not the most successful or fulfilled. And both of those aspects of human beings, skills and personality, are in flux. Mm -hmm. They're not constants. And so when we're trying to make these big life decisions about our career, about our relationships, about our happiness and fulfillment, those are long-term decisions. They have very real long-term impact. And if we're using these momentary snapshots, it's like deciding what to wear based off of the weather forecast two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's just silly. Mm-hmm. The schema we have for plugging ourselves into the right roles, for thinking about and maximizing our strengths are really letting us down. Mm-hmm. It's not the full picture. What are people missing? What's the missing piece? Yeah, they are missing the third part of the mind. Oh, that would be helpful to know. That would be very helpful to know, right? So we've all heard of IQ and EQ. And again, those matter. But there's something that I refer to as CQ, but it's conation or the conative part of your mind. And that's different than cognitive. That's conative. Exactly. So there's the, the, the geeky terms for the three parts of your mind are cognition, which is your smarts, affect, which is your feels, your emotions, your personality. And then there's this conative piece, which is probably a new vocab word for most of us, mm-hmm. but it is critical. I mean, it is necessary to understand this about yourself. Conation is your how, how you do things. So tell us, so detail it out a little bit because it is a new term. Break it down for us. What is conation? The instinctive, it's actually in the back part of your brain, which is the most primal part of your brain. It's the earliest part of our brain to develop. So it's not necessarily what you were taught to do. It's not even necessarily what you want to do. It's how you, by nature, do it. And I've heard it described as action tendency. I love that because we tend to take action by nature, a certain way. It's not what you can and cannot do. We can certainly force ourselves to do a whole lot of things, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. And this is that flow piece, that operational pattern, that signature that each one of us has to get results in our best way. And what's powerful about this is when we're free to operate in line with that pattern, assuming we're motivated. So the the other parts of the mind play into the equation. But if you're motivated and you're free to operate according to that pattern, you are not only more productive, but you are also satisfied, content, and fulfilled Mm. because it's feeling natural. It flows for you. If you are having to fight that natural pattern, no matter how motivated, No matter how skilled you are, you will burn out because our physical brains actually cannot maintain that amount of conflict and unproductive force. So it is instinctually powerful and critical for us to understand what is my pattern and how can I design my life, my career, my relationships around 
my pattern while respecting the pattern of others. So what is this pattern? What are the elements of it? We'll get to that after the break. How you handle your meetings at work says so much about your culture, sends so many messages, not just to your internal team, but the team outside who might wonder, what am I spending all this money on meetings for? Our sponsor, Hugo, is, I'm a super fan of this app. It completely changed the way that we handle our meetings, how we think of them, how we think of that time. It gets everybody on the same page. The great news is that if you have fewer than 40 users, it is absolutely free and it's a very robust platform. Over 40, I'm sure they're happy to talk to you about pricing. But if you go to what's the dot link slash Hugo, it'll send you right to their website. Their pricing is about to change. I I can't tell you more than that, but I recommend getting signed up if you have any intention of having awesome meetings in 2021. Tell them I sent you. The app's name is Hugo, H-U-G-O, and it is a game changer. There was a crisis in education before the pandemic. COVID-19 has made the achievement gap even wider. Since 1994, Urban Arts Partnership has been using the arts in classrooms to disrupt the status quo, engaging students, and boosting academic outcomes. For 25 years, they've been helping build a diverse talent pipeline. Their School of Interactive Arts provides students the skills they need to become coders, designers, and creatives by using video game design to teach computer science skills. 100% of the program students have graduated high school. UAP students have generated over $3 million in scholarship support. If you are part of a company dedicated to keeping a diverse talent pipeline strong and growing, join Urban Arts and invest in young people, the young people who will be the next generation of creatives. To learn more, go to whatsthe.link slash UAP. That's whatsthe.link slash UAP. So before the break, uh, we were talking about the pattern. What is the instinctive pattern that each of us has that when we find it, the way that we work, the way that we interact with the world feels like a flow. So let's talk about those components. The first one, fact finder, is the instinctive way we gather and share information. And there's follow through, the instinctive way we arrange and design Quick start, how much risk and uncertainty are we comfortable with? What's, what's our instinctive approach to risk? Implementer, the instinctive way we handle space and tangibles around us. Those elements are what Emily's talking about when she's talking about the pattern. So I'm going to give you a real world example. Two and a half years ago, I was running the same agency with more or less the same team. We had a number of high performers, all very invested in the work very intelligent, crazy, talented people. What wasn't working was people seemed to be working very, very hard. And then there seemed to be some misalignment or friction, not interpersonal friction, just the kind of thing where things take a little bit too long and there are miscommunications. Emily came in, she gave us our assessments, and then she interpreted those assessments for us. For example, I had a staff person who was in charge of doing things that were operational. Highly organized, highly intelligent, lots and lots of proactive communication. 
What I learned and what she learned about me was that the way that I needed to receive information was not the way that she put information together. And what that looked like was she would do a lot of work, do things in the way that she valued, and then present it to me. And I would say, this is what you're spending your time on. I don't understand. So it's not a matter of the quality of the work. It's really that connection between the two people understanding the work that the other person has done. My major, major characteristic in my pattern is I'm a quick start. I do not need a lot of information in order to make a gut instinctual decision. I like bullet points. Don't need a lot of backstory. I just need to know that you are confident in the information that you're giving me. And that's plenty. For this person, they needed a lot of research. They are an investigative reporter on the hunt for the very, very best facts and the truth. So when presenting me with a work product, I would get a lot of content and I would look for the high-level piece of information, the executive summary, and I wouldn't find it. It would seem that these two work styles, these two approaches, these two ways of understanding information would be in conflict. The reality is that they're not. Once you understand that this is just the way that somebody intakes information and needs to process it, All of the personal conflict goes away. It's nothing personal. It's the way their brain works. And these two styles actually amplify and reinforce each other. They supercharge each other. It's actually better for me to know that the person who's in charge of harvesting and collecting all of this information is being incredibly thorough. I just don't want to see all of it. I need to know that she's done the work and then she needs to present it in a way that I can understand. On the flip side, for this other person, that meant that she knew that I valued the work she was putting into this. So when everyone's in the right role and they understand how they and the people around them understand information, there can be a flow and that just generates so much positivity. Any kind of conflict is not personal. It has to do with work style. What is positive and productive and in many ways perfect about each human being. And that's really important. I remember that was the first thing on the printouts that we got was you scored perfectly. Like every single one of us was like, congratulations, you scored perfectly for you. I do find when I'm going through an assessment or even I'm just doing one of those goofy personality tests, I try and figure out what the best one is. And that's the one I want to be. But there was something so disarming about announcing that we had all scored perfectly. That was the perfect tone to strike when then figuring out how to fit all those those people and those pieces together. I have people comment on that almost more than anything else in the assessment. Think back to middle school, high school days. How many times did you get a perfect score on an assessment, right? It was normally about here's where you've missed the mark. Here's what you got wrong. And the tests and assessments we have in society from a very early age have really conditioned us to think about falling short, not meeting the mark. That's so true. And I'm thinking as you're saying that about the self-help industry and how so much of it is framed around what you're missing, what you could be doing better, how you can close the gap between who you are and who you want to be. And there's this negativity that's baked into it that again, was so disarming when we saw, we all got our reports and, and opened yeah. them in that conference room. <laughs> we're just like, oh, we're all yeah, perfect. In our That's own so ways, great. Right? And that can be true at the same time. You can have a completely different way of operating than I do. 
and they can both be perfect at the same time, which is very powerful. And the other thing I'll say along this line of, of what we're conditioned to think, there's actually a psychological assessment out there. It's personality-based that's labeled the dark side of personality. And that just plays mm. right into, oh, here's yeah. what's wrong about me. Here's what's damaged about me. And I'm not saying we're perfect entirely. We're not perfect all around. But in this way, our MO, our modus operandi, this signature for productivity and fulfillment for us or success is, is perfect. It's that the situations and roles we get ourselves into are imperfect. So what we've mainly been talking about is work. And that's one dimension of our reality. If you're lucky enough to be able to choose the kind of work that you do, then this helps you quite a bit in terms of maximizing that. But what Emily's actually interested in is quality of life all around. So during the conversation that we had, she shared a story with me about what this looks like for personal fulfillment. And I want to share it with you. Here we go. A young family, a mother and her daughter and son, they came to see me. They had initially engaged me to work with their daughter, who was the younger of the two siblings. College coming up, they wanted her to make clear and confident decisions about her college major and ultimate career path. She had done the assessment in advance of our meeting, um, had come to, to talk that out and, and solve for those particular issues. Her mom had recently had a knee replacement, so she wasn't able to drive. So they invited the older brother to come along as the driver. When they came into the conference room, her mom and the daughter actually sat at the table with me and the, the brother sat back and the, you know, it's pretty much as far away from me as he could get. And he let me know. He said, I'm the driver. I'm just here for lunch. And he had a hat on, he had his head down and he went immediately buried himself in his phone. And what happened was as we started to talk to his sister, he would lift his head up and he would stop working on his phone and he was listening. And then he actually, through the course of this meeting, ultimately moved to the table Wow. And at one point he said, I need to do this. He had never really felt like he fit in. He wasn't necessarily a stellar student and he opted not to go to college. And he was really just lost, totally lost. He took a job, but he was living at home and it wasn't a job that, you know, had a future. He was really just going in circles. Once we finished up with his, his sister, we started talking about him and I slid my computer over to him and I said, here you go. And I set him up and he took the assessment and we went through the whole process and talked about his future. A week after his mom emailed me and she said, you will never believe this. My son came home and he enrolled in college. He is a new man. He is so clear now on exactly what he wants to do. He is unstoppable. His confidence is contagious. What did you do? How did that happen? And she was there for it all, yeah. but she was just amazed. She emails me every single year to give me the update on her kids. This young man is now probably in the latter half of his 20s, and he's still on track. Wow. He's about to graduate, He and he still feels that confidence, even though things have come up. So to me, I mean, uh, I just, it feels such a privilege to be a part of that kind of impact. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode. 
Emily's quest for a quality of life for everyone is one that I share, and I love working with her and people like her. Until we talk again, take care and farewell. What's the meaning of this? Is a production of Vera LLC. Theme music by Dreamy Cloud. Sound design, engineering, and editing by Vera Studios. Our production assistant is Kristen Colby. Our intern is Bryn Floppy. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.